I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Gold. Mike Gold Jr., Mike Gold Sr., and Jesse Cofield hanging out at the DraftKings Studios in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler. Made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order using promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us the five-star. Check us out Monday through Friday live here, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, all that good stuff. Got a fun one for you today, guest-wise. Patrick Peterson, cornerback for the C- Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, lots of change in the air around Pittsburgh, feeling like maybe offensively they got a little bit of mojo going after this last game. We'll talk to him about the overall vibe and how the hell Pittsburgh keeps doing this. What the secret to Mike Tomlin's deal with the devil is that allows him to just keep winning games even though it makes no sense to us. And then, after Chad Michael Murray uh, joining the show today right now, <laughs> and our resident One Tree Hill fan, Jesse Cofield, has been beaming ever since this idea came up. So, Jesse, big day. How are you feeling with this one on deck? I'm excited. Um, you know, he's just a generational talent, so I think we're all just lucky to be in his presence. It's been a long time wow. coming, there's no doubt, so we're very much looking forward uh, to this one here. Dad, how are you feeling coming off against an unexpectedly good Thursday night football matchup? Well, let's put it this way. I want to ask you, was it good? Because we got well, a game that was close, a game that was compelling, and also a game that featured 19 penalties throughout the course of it. So how are we feeling about this? 
Yeah, at one point, Al Michaels said, you know, maybe we should just let the referee, I think it was Cleet Blackman, just, just finish the game since he was the one speaking the most. Seattle had 10 penalties and Dallas had nine penalties. But, not, you know, I mean, for those that like scoring, and that's most people, you know, me as a former defensive player, I love to see a good defensive battle. And we know what, what Dallas's defense had been capable of. And th- this was not it. I mean, it had been, what, 20 possessions since Seattle scored a touchdown, and they were scoring touchdowns left and right. That first one to, to uh, DK Metcalf, the 73-yarder, was a great pass and a great run, a uh, great catch and run. We got – let me just say this. If we can get that game tonight with Washington and Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, I'd be ecstatic and because that's kind of what we got in the first meeting of those two. And we'll talk about that a little later as the college championship games are starting tonight. But uh, w- what a game it was. You know, we were kind of giving this one to Dallas and then seeing what happened with San Fran and, and, and Philly. And could it be possible if Dallas beat Philly next week, there'd be a tie at the top? Well, Dallas took care of their part. But, I mean, listen. They, they, uh, they had more, uh, I think, 13 more minutes in time of possession. Uh, they, they were controlling that part of it. They only had about five more total yards. So Seattle was getting more yards per play. But the defense came up big in the end. I think three times Seattle had a chance in the fourth quarter to bring this one back. Uh, and and uh, Dallas held them on downs each time. So impressive by them. Uh, Seattle, all of a sudden, we start to wonder, right now they're in the playoffs. Can they hold on to that spot? Because they actually look good after losing two in a row, now three in a row, but losing those two. But the offense wasn't looking good. It started looking better last night. So overall, I think even with the outcome of Seattle losing again, it made it more intriguing for me in the NFC wildcard race. Yeah, this is a clear on Seattle side call and response from their head coach, to the team you saw during the lead up to this game Pete Carroll actually said hey we need to get more involvement with our tight ends we've got a really interesting group there with Will Disley and those guys and so we saw them put a lot more multi-tight end sets on the field try and do that to take some of the sting dad off this Dallas pass rush that everybody's so afraid of and lo and behold for the normal body of the game where the score was in balance and they weren't having to chase they were able to actually do that pretty well it was towards the end once you had to start getting back into the drop back stuff and obviously during the desperation attempts at the end, you saw Micah Parsons in that pass rush finally able to pin their ears back a little bit and get after Geno Smith, who you saw taking a little bit of a beating over there, getting that elbow massaged on the sideline that he got hit by Aaron Donald a few weeks ago. And so, Dad, it was... One of those nights where I ultimately came away feeling good about the Dallas Cowboys. During a large body of this game, it felt like the, oh, here we go again, right? Dallas faces a team with a record above 500 or near 500, and all of a sudden, a real playoff team has them shrinking back into the team more we saw against San Francisco, but they found a way, and I know that's the most cliche winning thing ever, but they got into a battle, and they were able to make the necessary plays. Deron Bland, who got thrown at left and right, I think that gave up the most yards when targeted of any defensive back so far this season in the first half ends up making the interception in the second half the dad when you go along with that and then the Cowboys holding them to 0 for 3 on fourth down that's the difference in a game where both sides have played pretty evenly yeah it is and Bland those numbers I think it was 138 yards and two touchdowns in the first half when he was the nearest defender so a guy that has last week just set the record for most pick sixes in a season with five 
Uh, yeah, listen, Seattle didn't have the running game that they wanted. Uh, Kenneth Walker, the second, was out. Uh, so that, that, that running game took a little bit of a hit there. And Gino, you're right, getting his elbow massage. That's actually Seattle. Seattle had four sacks in this game against an O-line yeah. in Dallas that – this Dallas O-line has been healthy together for a while now, and that's something you kind of cross your fingers, especially with a Tyron Smith, who, by the way, still looks like an absolute unit out there. I mean, it's ridiculous it's the for the injuries that he has and the how long he's been in the league. The dude is a stud. But between him and Zach Martin, who uh, Smith's been nicked more than Zach, but they're getting up there in age. This has been a healthy line, and they gave a four sacks in this one. That was a little surprising. Like I said, the defense for Dallas, to me, Gave up more than I thought they would, but they made the plays when they needed to make the play. So that's all that matters. As we talked about, there's no 13, you know, person committee rating anybody in the pros. It's just get the win, get the win and move on. And they did. And now they get 10 days to kind of chill and Sunday watch what the Eagles do against San Francisco before they host the Eagles uh, next week. And, and, and I'm, I'm very excited. That's the game uh, I'll be calling next Sunday night. So I'll have ended up calling both uh, Eagles Cowboys games this year so I'm really really looking forward to that yeah I, I think uh, it, it is interesting you mentioned no 13 person committee this isn't college but it almost had that feel where I went oh look ahead game like Dallas is at home hosting yeah. the Seahawks yeah. game maybe they got caught peeking a little bit at Philadelphia coming down the road but uh, and the reaction I think initially was the sticker shock of oh Seattle hadn't looked like themselves lately but we knew offensively this was in there we knew they're capable of this especially when healthy and you got Abe Lucas their right tackle back which helped a lot we saw early in that game Herb Street did a good job of highlighting some of the big plays that he helped make in the running game there but as time went along in that game Zach Charbonnet their starting running back I think a knee bruise went down late in that yeah. game so they were down to DJ Dallas in that backfield with them and things started to just snowball once the game script got out of whack but the other part of it dad we mentioned it off the top like that was a compelling game with the players on the field and what they were able to do but my god in heaven a combined 19 penalties yeah. for 257 yards the game in the third quarter was border was unwatchable every yeah. single play you just listen to the whistle blow wait for the whistle to blow for the play to stop and then looked on the ground to see where the flag was and who it was on this time for the uh, for Seahawks fans I have to imagine immense frustration because for a while the Cowboys best source of source of offense was defensive pass interference it was the all DPI offense for the Dallas Cowboys for a large stretch in that second half for a Seattle secondary they had to be looking around wondering what the hell they were supposed to do yeah and that's one thing you know the one th we always talk about are they ticky-tack calls and whether they are or not, the one thing you look for is consistency. So if you're, and, and as we have talked about, I think that's the hardest position to play in the NFL now is the secondary and what you're, forget allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. And you, you only ask, you may not like uh, a ticky-tack call, but if you're going to do it, do it the entire game and make sure I know that that's how you're going to call it because then I can base my play on how you're calling the game. The worst is, you know, when you call, when you let something go and then call a ticky-tack, let something go and then call a ticky-tack. So you don't know what the hell is going on out there or when you're going to get a call or how you're supposed to play. So you're just looking for consistency. But you're right. After every play, you were just looking for the yellow icon to pop up right by the score that said flag, uh, knowing there was going to be one. The one thing I, I loved watching 
And these two guys, they're, they're scary players, right? Bobby Wagner is yeah dude's been playing for 50 years he's a hall of famer and still looks fantastic had 14 tackles last night and another guy who's only played i think eight games this year jamal adams we're seeing kind of the old jamal adams but him and jake ferguson the tight end for dallas man were they getting into it and then jake ferguson got the last laugh as he scored what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown on Jamal Adams just kind of gave him a quick look and then did like a Gronk spike uh, kind of in his area. But those two guys, I know they gave up points, but I just mean as individual defenders, man, those two bring the heat. Yeah, I mean, both of those two. Jaron Reed, I thought, had a big night last night. You mentioned the pressure given up by Dallas up front. Tyler Smith, who's been largely great for the Cowboys this year. He has. There were a couple of spots where you saw Jaron Reed really flashing and having some success against him. I thought Terrence Steele and Tyler Smith both had games that were uncharacteristic. We've seen them both play really well. Terrence obviously got the contract for it this (laughs) offseason, but... Uh, uh, came alive at the right time so might give you a little bit of pause going forward but ultimately I think this was a net positive for the Dallas Cowboys the way they were able to respond in this game like you said it was 10 penalties on one side nine on the other and both near up over 100 yards so it wasn't like one was affected largely more than the other though you could point situationally in this game and maybe say it but the plays got made when they needed to be play, played, made mostly and especially, Jesse, by their quarterback in Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys, who, as we go along here, I feel like we've been having it to some extent, but we probably need to sound the MVP siren even louder for a guy that once again was big time for his team. Yeah, and we've been talking about this. We talked about it yesterday about how they kind of really needed a win here because they've got a tough schedule moving forward. And Dak acknowledged that about this tough stretch coming up. But obviously, know the stretch that we have coming coming ahead of us, and this was a, a big one to get, as you said. The first, uh, I guess, the first one with the winning re- winning record, but more importantly, in the fashion that we did in a tough game, back and forth, down at halftime, down in the fourth quarter, um, and the guys and the team really just making plays when plays were needed and playing playing ultimate complimentary football. Um, Stopping them, getting a touchdown. Obviously, defense getting two two fourth down stops when the, when when the game was on the line was was huge. So uh, yeah, it was complimentary football at its finest to, to to get a big win that's been different than most of these at home. And uh, we can take, as coach always says, a big chunk of confidence. We can take that uh, into next week and just moving forward. And. Yeah, so those MVP odds, Dak is sitting at fourth at plus four seventy five right now. So. That was a very shiny jacket also. I have to point that out. I couldn't stop looking at it. I felt like I could see <laughs> Yeah, there see was a my... lot going on with that jacket. Yeah. There was really a lot going on with that jacket. And congratulations to Dak. Found out last night, the Thursday night postgame show, that he's about to be a dad. Uh, him and his partner are expecting a baby girl, so that's exciting for him. But, Dad, how surprised are you, Dak? Prescott only fourth in the MVP odds right now. Uh, if nothing else, like excluding the play on the field, which we highlighted yesterday, Dak splits for the year almost universally first or second in every meaningful passing category relative to QBR against different looks on defense. You can look, he's second in EPA per play amongst quarterbacks. He's sixth in completion percentage over expectation. He's been sensational for them. We've talked about it in big moments, clutch moments on third down. And he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, is the, it, I figured this was a spot where the unusual um, pr- coverage that we give to the Dallas Cowboys because of the helmet sticker would benefit Dak in this case. And is it, is it holding him back from actually getting the credit he deserves? 
No, I, I think he's made, had a nice run since our loss to Philadelphia. I mean, he's had 13 touchdowns and one interception. He had six on the year, and he threw three against San Francisco when they got blown out in that game. So I think that was a big thing to watch for him was would he turn the ball over. And he hasn't in the winning streak uh, since the Philadelphia loss. It was interesting. He was sacked four times last night and wasn't sacked in the previous three games. But I think – because he's now really – you gave the stats, but really when people look at – because there are a lot of people that maybe don't dive on the outside looking in, don't dive into the stats that you just gave and, and see how he's playing and see how uh, – if he's turning the ball over or not. And he's not, and he's playing better than he has in a long, long time. So I, I think as each week goes by – and next week's big. If they win in Dallas and he has a big game, I think those odds you just saw where he's fourth are going to take a little bit of a turn. I was going to say, it's a great value right now as far as a bet because to your point, so much of MVP down the stretch, yeah. right, wrong, or indifferent, it's like the Heisman where it's what opportunities yep. do you really have to wow people? And having that game, primetime game against the Eagles, like you mentioned, on Sunday Night Football, and then the Bills and the Dolphins after that, the Lions not far after that, that also I believe that's the Monday Night Football game, the uh, Lions and the Eagle, or the Lions and the Cowboys. So you're going to yep. have opportunities with big stages and big audiences for you to go out there and ball and if he does you're right I have a feeling that's going to move so play wise he's certainly already backed it up but narrative wise and all that momentum that you sometimes need around this award especially around the betting portion of it I I think he's I I, based on the candidates we're looking at right there this is no shade to Jalen Hurts who's been sensational I think he's like the second uh, second leading rusher in terms of touchdowns scored in the NFL right now he's up there with double digit rush, rushing touchdowns again this season brotherly shove obviously fact in, factored into that but he's been great but I, Dak Prescott should probably be the front runner for MVP right now that doesn't matter as everyone's pointed out I've seen David Hellman fighting that fight over there it doesn't matter if he's the MVP of the end of November into December right now but I'm a little bit stunned we're not more talking about him more in that way because his play absolutely well, deserves it yeah, but, but a lot of it, and, and do you want to say good or bad, it's tied to the team's wins or losses. And this is something we always talk about. Quarterbacks, it shouldn't be wins and losses for quarterbacks, right? It's for teams. Because go to the Philly game, they lost 28-23, right? Dak completed 66% of his passes, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, those are good stats. He played, looked like he played well in that game, right? I mean, in, in what he did, but they lost the game. So that's what people look at. It said it's Jalen Hurts. It's not Philadelphia against Dallas. It's Jalen Hurts against Dak Prescott. That's how we view yep. things, right or wrong. And I think it's wrong, but I think that's how a lot of people view things. And it's like, big game, can Dak lead the Cowboys to victory in the big game. When we sit there and talk about Micah Parsons as being, you know, the defensive player of the year, it's not, can Micah Parsons lead the Cowboys to a win over the the Philadelphia Eagles? It's, can Dak Prescott? It's always on the quarterback, which gives you a reason why Mahomes' name is always near the top because he's got these MVPs and he's Patrick Mahomes. So you just kind of say his name and you're like, oh, best quarterback in the league. That's kind of how it gets viewed. Which, you know what, and Mahomes being up there too, and the, like 
that does make sense and we probably don't talk enough about how what he's at like this year we all we've talked about is can they get another receiver besides travis kelsey to step up there what the offense is doing to step back and they're still in the position where they're at where they're largely viewed as one of the best teams in the nfl they did the transition they did last year away from tyree kill and we're still the number one offense in the nfl by and large because of him so we're getting a little bit of that jordan lebron syndrome with patrick mahomes where it takes so much for us to be wowed by him enough to talk about him in these conversations even though he's playing mvp football every year he could absolutely win mvp every year and i wouldn't beef with it at this point he's usually that good and oh by the way you started listing where dak is tops in in the uh in in different categories you know who has more tops in the nfl in different categories and i didn't hear his name called from jesse in those things brock purdy brock purdy gets zero love right and start looking at some of his numbers when you dive in and break down the numbers of where he is he leads the league in quarterback rating leads the league in in completion percentage has 19 touchdowns six interceptions his team you know obviously out of that three-game skid has been playing has been playing really well and his name is mentioned any I don't know where it shows up on this list because we gave you the top four but why isn't he talked about more because he was Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy is, for what it's worth, Brock Purdy is sixth in MVP odds right now, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. That's as of this past Sunday, by the way. So these odds haven't updated after the game last night. It's Jalen Hurts first, Mahomes second, Lamar third, Dak fourth, Tua fifth, and then Brock Purdy in the sixth spot there. And I'm not sure what that well, part of that is, Dad, and I can tell you exactly what the difficulty is. Right behind Brock Purdy, you want to guess who's seventh in MVP odds right now in the NFL? Is it possible? Christian McCaffrey. He's getting it cannibalized from his own backfield mate there in San Francisco. So part of this is also when you're a part of the team that comes together like Voltron with all these great all-pro players everywhere, it gets a little bit cloudy, even though you're right. There need, does need well, I shouldn't say there needs to be more. We've had plenty of Brock Purdy conversation as a nation going back to this summer, and we have arrived at the point he is confirmed good. There is no disputing it. There is no denying it. We'll see if he has his day in court with the MVP. Coming up next, let's turn ahead to college football's conference championship weekend next. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time to turn our attention to the college game, okay, with our Modelo College Football Weekend Preview brought to you by Modelo, the mark of a fighter. So let's start with the Pac-12 championship, all right? Oregon, Washington, senior, you are praying for another game like the one we got last night on Thursday Night Football. 
Nothing like, yeah, praying for a college game to be high-scoring like an NFL game. That's something <laughs> you don't usually uh, see. And I, I think I'm going to have a, a bucket of Modelo next to me for this one because I am looking forward to this one. Now, again, the end of the day, it's all about us and what makes us look good. So I picked Washington at the beginning of the year to be in my Final Four. And if they win, I'll be right. And I'd like to be right. But it's very difficult, Mike, for me to go against Oregon and how they're playing right now. They are absolutely on fire. They've, they've won, obviously, every game since they lost to Washington. They're destroying teams. And that game against Washington was a three-point game. Uh, for Washington, you had, what, Adunzi and Polk both over 100 yards. Penix throws for 400. But Oregon in this one rushed for over 200 yards. And to me, one of the biggest differences, Mike, and you don't say this a lot about Pac-12, is defense. Oregon's defense is playing some ball. You know, they, they get after the quarterback. They can, they can stop the run pretty well as well. So I like their defense. I think that's been a bit of a difference. Washington's been in closer games uh, since that win over Oregon, a couple of scares here and there. I, in all honesty, and I said it the other day, I think Oregon's playing like possibly the best team in the country right now. I'm not given the 10. I think that's too much. I think that's the line right now is 10. Yep. I'm not giving 10. I'd like to see Washington win personally because it makes me look good that I was a good prognosticator in getting Washington in from my pick in the beginning of the year. But I, th- I think Oregon's going to win this game, but I'm not going to give the 10 points. I'm with you. Washington plus 10 feels like the move here. The game the first time around, the entire difference in the outcome, the subject of so much of the conversation, was around what Dan Lanning and company did on fourth down in that game. They went 0 for 3 on fourth down in some pivotal moments going into the half and obviously later in the game where they had in fourth and one situations, they were good go calls and just plays that ultimately didn't work. A lot of designed rollouts that seemed obvious to anybody who would watch Oregon on tape. Oregon on the year is converting at over 70% on fourth down. They're usually good in those spots, and that's the area where if it gets down to a close game, I do trust them to make plays in those spots. Washington's defense has struggled through the back half of the year in a bunch of games. It's why they've been so close, like you mentioned. UW does have the nation's second longest winning streak. They roll into this one. Only Georgia's got better than them. They're on 19 straight right now. And the passing offense still hums. Like That's going to be a legitimately awesome matchup. And styles make fights. For the Oregon Ducks, they spread him out. They get Bo Nix on the move. He's great outside of the pocket, buying time back there. He's got some of the most exciting scramble plays. Scrambling to still throw the ball that you'll see all year. Troy Franklin, Bucky Irving are awesome weapons there. But you mentioned it. Washington on every play. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show on offense. They're a grab bag to start every play. They shifted motion as much as any yeah. team in college football. If you haven't watched the Huskies yet this year, Dad mentioned two of the names. Roma Dunze is going to be a first-round draft pick at wide receiver. He's one of the guys that's, I believe, a finalist for the Bolitnikoff that goes to the best wideout in college football. But Jalen Polk might be my favorite guy in that room. Juice player, tons of energy, big, tough athlete. They got studs in that room that they're going to move all over to try and exploit. So I- I'm with you. This should be another awesome matchup. It's out in Vegas at Allegiant and kicks off what will be a great conference championship weekend, but we're both aligned on Washington plus 10 in this game, even with Oregon getting the win, which I think gets them a bid to the college football playoffs. That brings up our next contestant here, Dad. Let's go to the SEC Championship. Georgia versus Alabama. Georgia favored by 5.5 as of right now, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. And 
for Alabama, they come in off of another exciting Iron Bowl, one where they got out by wow. the skin of their teeth off the bank, off the back of a Jalen Milrow throw that'll get talked about for quite a while, especially if they win this game, Dad. So are you buying all the Alabama momentum so, going into this one against Georgia? So of these two teams, which team has changed the most for the better? It's been Alabama, right? Jalen Millwell, remember, he was benched early in the season. And then I loved when Nick Saban said he won the job back. He didn't win the job back. He got the job back by default because the other two quarterbacks they put in yeah. couldn't do anything. So Jalen Millwell got his job back. And by the way, kudos to him. He took advantage of that. But they yes, have absolutely. changed and improved the most because he started passing well, which helped Tommy Reese, their old coordinator, be able to ch- be able to change the game plan a little bit and not kind of hide the passing attack and, and focus more on the run, but now be able to pass the ball more. That being said, I just don't know, Mike, if Bama can stop the two-headed monster of Edwards and Milton in the backfield for Georgia, right? They've been running the ball great. Alabama is struggling to stop the run. Alabama cannot stack the box to stop the run because then there's this guy named Brock Bowers that will kill you in the middle of the field as soon as your linebackers start stepping up. Even though Bowers is coming off that tightrope surgery, missed three games, he is still probably the best player on the team, on, on both these teams, quite honestly. So... While I think Alabama has gotten better this year and certainly beat the odds on that touchdown throw against Auburn, I'm going to go with Georgia here. I think they control it with the run. It's a five-and-a-half-point game. I'll, I'll even say it's closer than that. I'll even say, you know, it's like a field goal game. So I'm going to take Georgia, uh, but, but I'm not going to give that many points, which is, I think five-and-a-half I believe we're at. Worth noting, we did prognosticate Nick Saban already out here politic and was on yeah. with McAfee on Thursday and said it would be disrespect to the SEC if there wasn't an SEC representation <laughs> in the college football playoffs. So Nick getting a head start going into the weekend and a company man even going to bat for Georgia should they get the win in this game. So uh, Nick Saban always giving of content. But Dan, I- I- I'm with you on this. And I- I'll mention the other name. And I've said this. I got to cover Georgia twice this year, first against Kentucky, second against Missouri. So two of their bigger tests of the season. Lad McConkey's health was one of the single biggest factors for this offense continuing to develop post Todd Munkin. For Mike Bobo, who came over and succeeded Todd Munkin, who was back who was back for a second time after a stint in the early 2000s. Lad McConkey came back in earnest against Auburn. He missed the first four games with a back injury, and ever since then, as he got healthier and healthier, that offense changed for the better around him. Brock Bowers, obviously a huge part of that, too. I I think they've got what it takes, Dad. I think this team has stepped up to their biggest challenges so far. Georgia in a close one heading to the college football playoff, which means then we're getting down to our third game here, Dad, for the potential anarchy in this weekend, if we believe those first results to be true. ACC Championship, Florida uh, Florida State versus Louisville. And, Dad, this opened as a five-and-a-half-point line in favor of Florida State and is now down to one-and-a-half. So people have been taking the cheese as far as Louisville and the points walking into this game. Tate Rodemaker, the backup quarterback, in for the injured Jordan Travis. Now for his second start this season, he got the win on the road in an ugly one against their rival in Florida. What do we think, Dad? 
Well, still, you know, Rodemaker, I, I, I don't think you want to put the game on his shoulders. You want him to manage well. And you have a hell of a rusher in Jordan, who's a number two rusher in the ACC, right? And you have Keon Coleman, who is one of the top receivers in the country. Wilson's been nicked up a little bit, the six seven kid. But Coleman has been money all year. So this is one of those games where, you know, when a backup comes in, you got to lean on your stars to control the game. And certainly that's going to be offensively the offensive line as well. But like I said, Jordan at running back, Coleman at wide receiver, get the ball in their hands, let them make the plays and and eat up the clock. Louisville has got to be just just still sick that they lost that game to Kentucky and their whole whole premise now is to knock Florida State out of the playoffs. The ACC will not be represented if Louisville wins this game uh, because Louisville ain't getting in. The only way ACC can get in is if Florida State wins. I'm still going to give Florida State the benefit of the doubt, Mike, for the reverse that kid on the the pass rusher uh, on yeah. on the uh, other side for Florida State versus I think he's Mel Kuyper's number one edge guy coming up in this draft. That dude is a terror every single play on a pass. He is in the bat backfield looking for it. So I'm going to go with Florida State. I'll go ahead and I'll give the point and a half and say Florida State makes the playoffs. Yep, you could have had me at five and a half in this game, absolutely, because I think Louisville, we've seen in the games where they've played really well, they get off to fast starts, they've held 16 straight opponents without a score on their opening drive. They can be overwhelming defensively. I think Florida State takes the challenge from last week personally. They got punched in the mouth a little bit physically by Florida. I think they battle back, and I think this punches their ticket to the playoff. We've had this conversation about an undefeated Power 5 champion floated out there. Would they potentially miss? I say no way. Florida State punches their ticket and gets to the college football playoff. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Mike, before we get, get to back to Jesse to talk about what we're going to talk about next, quick correction by me. I mentioned the rushing attack for Florida State and passing the two uh, weapons. I mentioned Jahar Jordan, ACC's number two rusher. He, he's on Louisville. I, I, I switched my backs. I meant for Florida State, Trey Benson, who's averaging over yeah. six yards to carry, 14 touchdowns, how him and Coleman can help carry that offense. So wanted to make that quick correction and give Benson his due, which he deserves. No, no, that's uh, an understandable mistake given the uh, cavalcade of great running backs in that game there and behind an offensive line that, uh, listen, Alex Atkins, anytime you You've got an offensive coordinator in name. I understand the role Mike Norvell plays and all that. But uh, anytime you got an offensive line coach that also has OC as his title, 
I'd expect good things from those boys up front trying to go to work against that Louisville defensive front. So Trey Benson, correction noted, correction made. Uh, Jesse, let's stick in college sports, though, because we hadn't talked about this story much yet, so I'm excited to dig into this. Everything that had been going on with Angel Reese and LSU and her absence from the court that finally came to an end last night in a big win for LSU against Virginia Tech. Yeah, the mysterious drama is apparently over for now. I don't know. Uh, she returned to the lineup for LSU after that four-game absence, as you mentioned. So they were facing number nine, Virginia Tech. LSU won that one. Angel had 19 points, nine rebounds, two assists. Kim Mulkey got her 700th win. Reese was benched for the second half of LSU's fourth game of the season against Kent State. And then she did not get to travel with the team to the Cayman Islands over Thanksgiving break, which mm. would have just oh. been devastating, I can imagine. So <laughs> seems like that was a punishment. So let's hear from Angel herself after the game last night. It was a long two weeks, well, week and a half, two weeks to be away from the team. Um, taking time to yourself is uh, really important. I feel like that's just something that was important in resetting and refocusing within the team. I'm just happy to be back. And th this place was amazing tonight and I'm just happy to be here with them. Proud of her. Uh, not really the production proud, just proud. Proud that how she handled herself, proud of how she was back to the angel everybody knows, proud that her teammates embraced her, proud how she treated everybody. She loves seeing everybody. This is this is where she's comfortable. And um, you saw everything. I mean, so positive. There's There's nothing but positive things about what happened on that floor tonight. You know when somebody gets asked a question and then they answer the question and they didn't answer the question at all? That's what this felt like. <laughs> it's a lot of just like, yeah, and then you just say something completely unrelated. So uh, yeah. the, she's that's the Mike, back. That's the Mike Tomlin press conference extraordinary. Exactly. He's an absolute master at just using whatever question you ask, I'm going to get to what I want to talk about. <laughs> or in this case, Dad, what Kim Mulkey didn't want to talk about. So. And that's kind of been the subject of this whole thing is, and her stock line has been, we don't owe you guys an answer about why Angel Reese is missing time right now, going back to that benching, not making the trip to Caymans, which you're right, thoughts and prayers, oh, that sucks. Wow. There are very, I mean, and listen, it's not like Baton Rouge is a terrible place and it's not like they're dealing with right. winter in earnest like the rest of us, but you're a college kid with a chance to go to the Cayman Islands and you don't get to go, that does suck, no two ways about it. It's kind of like the Bahama Bowl, right? Uh, that, that, oh, my God. They, always, they rip the Bahama Bowl every year because about 300 people show up, but who cares? If you're a player or a coach or an announcer, you know, you're Which, like, Which, by the way, thoughts care. and prayers to Steve Levy, who's parlayed yes. that into his deal and now yes. doesn't get to go. Remember, the Bahamas Bowl, because of construction, is now going to be played in Charlotte yep. under a different name this year. So, yeah. again, remember, God giving his toughest battles, his strongest soldiers, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> so, I will say this. You know, th there are people today that rip old school. And while I am old school in some things, I do believe there's still a place for some old school in new school. I think they can coexist in some areas. And this is an area where I feel they can co coexist. I am very old school in this. I am very old school in the locker room, stay in the locker room. You know, outside of anything that, you know, has to do with the law that's public that people can find out, obviously, which, which you know, different situations. But if it's something within the team, I have zero issue. In fact, it's the way I would handle it, the way Kim Mulkey handled it. It's none of your damn business. It's not your business. And I'm not going to tell you. If she wants to tell you, that's up to her. 
But I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to talk about what's going on behind closed doors in our locker room or with any of my student athletes. It's not happening. Ask all you want, but you're not getting an answer from me. So, And as a player, I think they would respect that as well, that nobody's airing their dirty laundry out. Uh, I, we don't know. Everybody's going to speculate what went on here. And the bottom line is, if I never find well, out, that's okay by me. I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. And Kim Mulkey, I, I agree with her a thousand percent. I think the problem is the actor involved here. A lot of people don't trust Kim Mulkey's intentions. We've seen her not always operate with the best interests of her players in mind in public dealings, and I think that sticks in a lot of people's craw, is that you might buy this from somebody else, but with Kim Mulkey, we all of a sudden have antennas raised here. And, Dad, the other part of this is this. You do create more fervor by not saying yeah. anything. Like, this could right. have been a non-story if you came out and said, hey, it was, uh, you know, hey, she suspended a couple of games, uh, games for an academic reason or an off-the-court violation or something like that but by creating this mystery around it you almost get some level i don't know if palace intrigue's the right term here necessarily but when you've got one of the biggest players in the sport and the biggest names in the sport and you're not giving any information like that it does allow the rumor mill to run sort of wild does. which does not feel fair to the player necessarily you're right, because then it goes into something we've talked about as well, is you're creating more questions about a situation. Um, right. Which, which a lot of, but I mean, I, I get all that, but I'm still all for a coach not divulging things that, that are going on. And I don't know what other, and the other thing is too, which is different than the NFL. In the NFL, there's a responsibility to be in front of the media, right, and answer questions. I, and now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know. I don't know if that same responsibility is to college players. If there's a responsibility that they have to go in front of the media, or you can basically just say, Angel Reese is not talking, or our players aren't talking, and just the coach is talking. Or in the NFL, players have to talk. They get fined if they don't go in front of the media. So that could be a difference as well. Well, yeah, that came up, too, when Caleb Williams objected, elected to not go to the podium after the UCLA game, and everyone right. raised arms about that because now you've got money in college sports, but they're not actually salaried employees, and they're not being paid by the school, and so there's not some collectively bargained uh, responsibility right. to go out there and appear in front of the media. So I, I, I don't – and again, we don't know so much. I don't know what to put on Angel Reese. I certainly don't put that portion – on her right not speaking to no. the media when you're no. not a paid employee of the school to me that's perfectly fine i understand all that but the dealing and the rest of it just felt very odd and again i really don't know what the right answer is because i'm with you there's part of me that goes all right if this really was something where we don't know the extent of what's gone on you are protecting the player and you are keeping anything more from coming out because once we get past this now and if she's back and there's no more interruptions of the season we're going to forget about this very easily especially yeah. if she's going out there balling like she did last night but if anything else does pop up and there's this lack of clarity then you just invite more and more conversation about a household name at this point in angel reese so that became the difficult part there it was great to see her back in that game dad um and very, I mean, very interesting after all this to see her and Kim Mulkey kind of coexisting peacefully up at the podium. It was win number 700 for Kim Mulkey. And I think I saw Angel, at least in the thumbnail, was the one kind of presenting the game ball to Kim Mulkey. So uh, really trying to bury the hatchet quick on the backside if there was any animosity there. Yeah, let, let's make no mistake. These are two A personalities. 
without question. Yeah. We saw that. We knew that from Kim Mulkey in her career. And we saw that from Angel Reese coming to the end of last year when we had such an incredible finish in women's college basketball. So we both know the type of personalities. And normally in those situations, coaches win in college, well, uh, especially in college, as, yeah. as successful as she is. Uh, coaches are going to win that. But uh, you, you can see co- or coach and player with personalities like that occasionally butting heads. Uh, but that's the thing. We don't know if they were butting heads. We don't know no, anything don't. about the nature you're of right. this. And so all of it is speculation cool it. in a way that you're right. It is, is maddening on the outside to some extent. And man, I, I really wrestle with this one. I have a tough time with this one just because again, Kim Mulkey is the actor at the center of the center of this. And we know and have seen how she's operated in other situations before that. But uh, in this case, all's well that ends well. We hope for the best for Angel Reese coming up for the rest of this season here. Coming up next, though, as we look ahead to the rest of this weekend here, we got a big one for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the post-Matt Canada era, trying to figure out what this offense and this team can look like as they've been afloat without much offense for most of the season. Patrick Peterson, their star corner, talks to us next. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. You are looking at the extensive resume of Steelers cornerback Patrick Peterson. So fifth overall selection of the 2011 draft, three-time first-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, NFL 2010's All-Decade team. What a guy. So though our guys had a chance to catch up with him earlier this week and talk about the Steelers' season and what we can look forward to moving forward. Very excited to talk to Patrick Peterson here, Pittsburgh Steelers defensive back, all pro defensive back. You've been around forever at this point. We were reminiscing before coming on the call. I realized that you and I were in the same U.S. Army All-American Bowl class, and life has gone (laughs) a little bit different on the football field for both of us since then. So how you doing, man? Good to see you. I'm doing great. Life is definitely uh, not what I imagine it being right now, but I'm, I'm definitely blessed to be in the position that I am in playing my 13th season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I was going to bring that up. Along, I played nine, and at some point I realized, wow, you know, I've been in this league for a while. You just mentioned 13 years. When you're in downtime or alone time, do you ever go like, man, this either flew by or maybe it didn't for you, but 13 years. Yeah, it definitely definitely felt like it flew by because the way my body feels. You know, I'm 33 years old, played 13 years. I think I'm right now at 196 or 7 games. Can't remember the exact number. But it doesn't feel, you know, like that it's my time to, you know, start passing it on. So the body and mental uh, uh, standpoint is in, 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 phenomenal, um, uh, in, in phenomenal shape. I just want to continue staying in that mindset and just play as long as the wheels fall off. There you go. Well, it's working out well for you, and it's it's worked out well for the Steelers. I want to ask you the question I think is on everyone's mind looking at your guys' football team. How do you keep doing this? Everyone's mentioned the stats about point differential and getting outscored during games, and yet everyone looks up, and you guys are always above 500. you You're right in the playoff hunt now. So what is the Pittsburgh Steelers' secret as you've now been a part of this organization? The secret is there is no secret. You know, coach just does a great job of putting us in position uh, throughout OTAs, you know, throughout mini camp, training camp, when when we're up there in St. Vincent and Latrobe. You know, so we understand what it takes to win ball games. Like like coach always talk about, we're in the business of winning. 
I don't care how the win comes, just as long as we win the ball game. And like I said, Coach does a great job of putting us through situations throughout minicamp, throughout OTAs, and throughout training camp to 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 where when those situations uh, you know present themselves, we're more than ready. How do you view your role in this team? What have you and Mike Tomlin talked about since you've gotten here about how the way you guys both see your role in this defense? Well, you know, when I first got here, I know when I first signed here in April, Coach told me that he wanted to explore some of my talents talents in, in, uh, in other positions. You know, I never had an opportunity to do that in my career. So when he, you know, presented that opportunity to me, I was like, heck yeah, I'm all in for that because I always felt being a corner, it kind of get boring just guarding the receivers outside the numbers, going to the left side of the field, play in and play out. I just feel like I can give so much more to the game, not only on the men- mentorship side of it or helping the young guys come up along, but also be more involved into the game plan because I just feel like I have so much intellect about the game and, and how offenses want, want to attack us and at certain points. I just feel like I can be used in so many more positions on the field, and Coach Tomlin has given me that opportunity to explore that. So um, it's a blessing in the sky, guys. Like I tell Coach all the time, um, I'm so happy and blessed to be here, finally be here. Pat, as one of the vets in this locker room, I'm sure you've kind of got a pulse on everything, not just defense, but also offensively. We know offensively they dealt with Matt Canada being let go here and finally got over that 400-yard hump this week. Did you notice something different about them? Was there something about the offense that stood out as maybe a change since that? You know, in practice, it's kind of hard to see because obviously we're on a practice field or trying to go over our uh, over our adjustments while while the offense is on the um, going over their place. But just to see those guys from the sideline Sunday, I liked uh, I like what I saw by you know you know having receivers on motion, trying to identify coverages on the back end, you know, trying to make Kenny job a little bit more easier. Um, we're going to run it anyway. We showed that. Um, we, we, we proved that uh, Sunday. And we had an opportunity to get our pass catchers involved. It was good to see Pat um, get over 100 yards. Uh, Deontay, you know, make big third down catches for us. GP continuing to do the things that he's been doing for us all year down the field. So, um, you know, the sky's the limit for us, man. We just want to continue to keep this train on the track and keep it rolling with a full head of steam and just see where it takes us. You mentioned Deontay. I know there was some headlines about him maybe not going after a fumble, and I won't ask you to divulge family business. I know Mike Tomlin said that he addressed that in front of you guys and the rest of the team. Did you feel like that was something that he needed to do? Was that something that guys noticed when it happened in the game? Um, You know, I was on the sideline, um, and I didn't notice it, you know, in the game until obviously we saw – you know, it all over Instagram. But as Coach always talk about, you just always have to be ready because you never know when something like that is going to happen. And that's why we practice so much, you know, uh, in practice of scooping every loose ball because you never know if it's a fumble or if it's not a fumble. You just never want to put leave it in the official hands uh, to make the right call. So yeah, looking at the Cardinals this week, the team you were, were drafted by and played there until 2020, mm-hmm. First off, is there anything to playing your your old team? Uh, is, is there anything more to that, even though you've been away from it for a couple of years? Um, you know, you always want to you know put up a good performance against your previous team. You know, so yeah, I want to I want to have a great game Sunday. You know, it's nothing against those guys, but um, you know, there are some plays that you know that I feel that I could make 
um, coming Sunday, and I won't necessarily say it's going to be any added fire or any added fuse or any fuse or anything like that. Um, I just want to make sure that you know I play you know one of my best games all year, and just show them that I still can play. And, and talk about playing a now that Kyler Murray is back, a quarterback that can create. All of a sudden, it's a, it's a regular play, and next thing you know, you're kind of in the playground, you know, <laughs> kind of making something up on the fly of, of what kind of position that puts you as, as a defensive back in. Man, you know, it's always difficult, you know, when you have an opportunity to play up against dual threat quarterback because, like you said, like, they have the opportunity to create. And, you know, as a defense, as a defensive back, in our head, we have, like, that internal clock of, you know, the play is going to be anywhere between, you know, two to four seconds. Anything after that, like you said, now it's backyard playground football. And the receiver has pretty much will have the upper hand on this because now he pretty much can run anywhere on the field where he feels there is an open spot. But I will say this, man, we have two of the best, if not the best, edge rushers in the business. Um, we do a great job of creating havoc in the quarterback, uh, in the quarterback pocket. You know, so – I have no no doubt in my mind that the guys up front will make our job a little bit easier, you know, for those those extra plays that Kyler will want to uh, have to create extra time to pass. The so it sounds like T.J. Watts got your defensive player of the year vote. <laughs> oh, no doubt about it. Hands down. Best defensive player. Well, he's been doing great work on the field. You guys all have. I, I know, uh, Pat, in the short time you've been in Pittsburgh, you're already doing a lot of great stuff off the field there, too. You've got an event coming up next Tuesday, P2's Presence. What can you tell us about what you got going on there locally to help out the kids? Yeah, it's going to be a shot with a job at the local Target here. We're going to have about 50, 50 kids. Uh, I don't know exactly where the kids are coming from just yet. I, if I'm not mistaken, I know it's a, a Boys and Girls Club that we did over uh, a couple of years ago, but I'm going to give the kids $150 uh, worth of a, a gift card. They can go out and just shop and buy whatever they feel that they would need or a family member or, you know, a sibling or a friend. Uh, and to me, that's the most uh, pleasing part when I do do the shop with the jocks is when I go shopping with these kids, they never tend to pick out anything for themselves. They're always getting something for their brother. They're getting something for their mom. And for me to have that given spirit during that time and for them to have that given spirit in that time when when they don't even have to, when someone is trying to help them, it just makes me feel that much pleased. And every year just brings a big smile to my oh, face. It's a great job out of you. I mean, you, you have the platform and you're using it in such a positive way. Football is great. You're going to go down as one of the all-time greats, but man, helping others has to be make you feel even better. No doubt about it, especially in this uh, in this time of the year. It's nothing, nothing like the seasons. Man. No, there's no doubt about it. Well, uh, there's nothing like the football season and it's been fun watching you guys. Best of luck this weekend, Pat. Thanks for joining us, man. Hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me.